Hello, and welcome to the No Good Poetry Podcast. Each week we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of poetry. This is episode 76 with... Joseph Makos and... Joseph Bievenu. This is the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? Some ugly shit out there, kids. Let's make the world safer for poetry. So today, we're going to talk about titling poetry. And titles. And poems that are untitled. And clever ways that people use titles to introduce their work. So, I know for like a lot of poets, it's kind of a, that's kind of a big issue, right? They, they write these great poems, and then they're like sitting there like, but what do I do? How do I put a title on this thing? My God. You know what's the one thing I hate about titles and poems? I hate when people come up in a poetry reading and say, this poem's titled. Yeah, that's weird. Why do people do that? <laughs> Just say the title. People do that a lot. Like, an awful lot. This poem is titled, Poem. But, okay, so when you write titles for your poems, do you write them before you write the poem, or do you write them after? Yeah, I was thinking about that. And, you know, I, I think sometimes I... I do feel inspired, like, in a moment of field composition, and I write the title down first, right? But sometimes I feel like I just write a title down, and the title ends up being sort of a placeholder, a sort of pre-writing mechanism to just start and get you going. And then, you know, I'll write the poem. But sometimes I write a poem really without a title, or maybe I even delete the title, and I add a title that sort of mind from within the poem you know like pull something out of the poem Absolutely, and then yeah. use that as the title i can see value in both starting with the title or coming with the title after but i think i almost i can't think of a single situation where i wrote the title before the poem i think i always write the title afterwards Oh, really? Yeah, but sometimes it might be right afterwards it might be like i'm done with the first draft of this poem and i know what the title needs to be Huh. But sometimes it might not. Sometimes I might just have a poem kicking around for a long time, and it's like, I don't know, now I need to come up with a title for the damn thing. That's but, really interesting. Or the other thing that people do is sometimes they just use the first line of the poem as the title. Yeah, that's true. Although I think if you're going to do that, you should get rid of the first line. <laughs> right, and just let the title read as the first line, which people do that sometimes too. Right? Yeah, that definitely is a... Is a is a common thing. So there's like all kinds of different ways to come up with titles. So I thought it might just be fun. I just compiled a little list of poetry titles. Okay. And I read them to you. All right. I wonder if I can guess who any of these people are. And we can see, see. Who these poems are. You know, so listeners at home, and I'm going to make Magos do it. Think about like which ones stand out to you. Like what are the ones that you're like, I'd like to read that poem just from the title. After the Giant Anteater, The Brazier Factory, Self-Portrait at 28, Tableau Through Shattered Monocle, Sonnet About Milk, Ho 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 Caribou, Table of Contents for an Imaginary Book, Fox Blood, 
Ballad of the Long-Legged Bait. Archaic Torso of Apollo. Heart, 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 heart. The Jewish poets of Arabic Spain, 10th to 13th century, with Chinese poets popping out of the clouds and once an Irishman. Cocaine. Guinevere or the death of a kangaroo. My wolf is bigger than your wolf. Jim left the pet cemetery with a feeling of disgust. Washing the corpse. Song of the Dwarf. Why I haven't outgrown surrealism, no matter what that moron reviewer wrote. <laughs> Little poem with argyle socks. Please cover me with dirt every year. The muse considered as a demon lover. Seasonal monocle. Dear Mr. President, there was eggshell under your desk in my dream last night. Biosphere. For the impossible soul of my beloved. Always for the first time. Farm implements and rutabagas in a landscape. Yes, Senor Fluffy. My grandmother's love letters. A poem for vipers. Gunwales of ice. Hockey night in Canada. My illustrious gargoyle ancestors. Sharking of the birdcage. How the Pope is chosen. Maybe I erred a little to the side of the absurd in that list, but I, don't I know. think there's some uh, there are some things that are less absurd in there. I think I think there's some pretty straight ahead things, honestly. But yeah, I mean, those are some good titles. I think. Were there any that like jumped out at you that you're like, I want to read that poem? Well, you know, I like that. Why haven't I outgrown surrealism? No matter what the, the moron reviewer wrote. That's just kind of like really direct. I like that. Yeah, so you know who that is. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I didn't, but I saw this this list here, so I see it's it's Dean Young. Yeah, so that's Dean, and um, so the thing that happened was, you know, Dean had that heart problem, right? He had this this congenital heart problem that he didn't know about, and I think back like back when he was teaching me at Loyola Chicago. It was really kind of horrible because he found out he had this, and he liked drinking, you know? And uh, the first thing his doctor told him was, like, you can't drink anymore. (laughs) But he would come out with us, but he had to drink his little near beers, his 1% beers, and it was just torture to have to be like... But he was like, well, it tastes like beer, at least I can, can drink that. But... So he had his heart transplant, and now he can drink again, by the way, although I think he still needs to do it in moderation. But when he had his heart transplant, the book that came out after his heart transplant, this, I can't remember what magazine it was in or what site it was on, but this dumb reviewer wrote this whole review about how, oh, well, now that he's had this brush with death, he suddenly has this new, newfound emotion in his poems that he never had before. He's given up surrealism. I think the title of the article I think that's the title of the article about something about how he gave up surrealism. <laughs> so he wrote this poem. That's pretty ridiculous. So it's pretty fucking hilarious. So Dean, of course, the next book he had, I mean, he probably published this in a magazine first, honestly, but I don't know. I didn't, I missed that. But then the next book he has, he wrote this poem. Maybe we should, we should just hear that poem. I think you should just read it. 
why I haven't outgrown surrealism, no matter what that moron reviewer wrote. I still love the sound of breaking, the tear of the page, fruit that splits when it's ripe, not sticks and string and a 30-page instruction manual when I need a kite, when I need a dragon in the sky. More and more, only the irrational holds me to this earth. Not that I need Apollo knocking my helmet off to tell me so. Give me a bird crashing a window in the darkness of daylight, a red wine stain on my good white shirt, and a dog park where we scatter Chloe. Some blowing back on our shoes in a very Chloe-like manner. Two living dogs coming up to us wagging hard enough to levitate in recognition. The body is a vessel of flame flicker, and even in dreams I say my love's name, so picture me for verisimilitude made entirely of sunflowers, but keep the long scar in the center of my chest. Under it, a grim doctrine frolics on a dissecting table. I, who have been restored by cardiac shocks, dropped into mourning, wanton, and struck. <laughs> I mean... Well. That's a pretty good uh, defense of surrealism, I think. I would say. I mean, mm. I like how he's just kind of like, you know, shows him how he's not outgrown surrealism, I guess, in the poem. I like mean, well, piece. yeah, no, and it's like, yeah, and it's like, well, I, I hate that anyway. Like, people only think emotions are real when they're direct. But in reality, if you come to me and tell me I'm sad, that's fucking meaningless, right? Imagery is how you show emotion, right? The way our language works, real emotion is through the oblique, not through the direct. But, you know, if you want to talk about a poet who's not direct, I mean, what about like Emily Dickinson who just numbers her poems? Yeah, so, okay, so we want to talk about not titling your poems. So, yeah, why do you think Emily Dickinson did not title her poems? I mean, hard to say. I kind of look at her work as it's serial, but it's like one long book. Well, what do you serial. mean? Like, what's serial about it? I guess nothing other than the numbers. You know, I guess, like, <laughs> I guess it isn't serial. Um, but I don't know. Like, yeah, but she like, but... wasn't intending for them to be read by anybody. Right. Yeah, I think that's probably part of it, right? The fact that they weren't published for the most part in her lifetime probably has something to do with that, right? And which is interesting to think about. Like, are titles really just about publication? Are they just like a convenience? I mean, it sure the hell is fucking inconvenient. Like, I think about Frank O'Hara especially. He's got all these poems just titled Poem. And I want to find a poem in his collected works. And fortunately, they've got that first line index in the back. But if I try to do it through the through the actual contents, it's like, Jesus, there's like 20 poems called poem. I don't remember which one it is. Right. Which is so there is like this convenience aspect of being able to refer to a poem and talk about it and. So maybe that's part of it with Emily is like she just she didn't publish them. So so I was looking into it because I was thinking about that. And because I remember there's some of some of Emily Dickinson's poems that are are titled, but I, I didn't really remember how many. So I looked and there's only 24 of her poems that have titles. That's it. That's it. 
And 21 of those, she the titles are from like letters she sent to friends. She sent the poems and letters to friends. And then weirdly, like even in the letters, she didn't title the actual poems. Like she didn't write the title above the poems. The poems still had no title written above them. She just called them those titles in the letter. That is weird. Yeah, I mean, numbers, you know, I don't think the numbers really correspond to anything, do they? They're just like, that's just like her numbered poems, and like, maybe she titles a couple, but well, I mean, you're saying 24 or 20-something so out of her whole canon, that's it? That's it, and 21 of those, she only gave the titles in letters that she sent to her friends, which, to me... Okay, so that does prove, okay, so if there's if they're letters to friends... In a certain way, it's like it's like it's like leaving her sanct it's like leaving her sanctum, you know. So it like leaves her domain, and then all of a sudden it goes out in the world, and that then it has a title. But like, but but the weird thing is, like I said, she still didn't put the title above the poem. She just call in the letter referred to those poems by these titles. Yeah, that's interesting. Which seems like a very conscious decision, and it makes me wonder. Or makes me think that that's probably some sort of aesthetic choice, and 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 I could imagine all kinds of reasons why you might think that you don't want to title your poems. If you're trying to think of your poems as objects or some sort of living things, maybe it's like, well, naming them is limiting in some way or something, right? Like if you're like, what does it mean to call a poem by this name? Well. Hmm. Dickinson's an interesting case. She's a very interesting case, right? Can you, think I mean, of, can you think of anyone else who titled their... Just numbered their poems? Like an entire book of just numbered poems? Oh, well, the dream songs. Well, yeah, I think anytime you have series, but then that makes a little more sense because it's almost like they're all part of that overarching title. Yeah. But no, I, I mean, for someone who doesn't have like an overarching work, I, I can't really think of another example of that. Well, and that's the other thing that's weird in these letters is she the way she writes her titles in these letters a lot of the times is she normally when she talks about other people's poetry, she underlines them or, or, or indicates them as titles or put quotes around them to indicate them as titles in some way. But she doesn't do that with her own. And then she puts like articles in front of the title. Like if the poem is titled Gale, she'd be like, here's a Gale. Really? Yeah. Huh. So it's like, and she does that shit in her poetry, too, where she'll, like, put quotes around words sometimes. It seems like it's something about, like, names and, like, the the limitations and valuelessness of names or something. I don't know. It's, 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 it's interesting, but it's odd, right? It's like I... It feels like with Emily Dickinson, it was some sort of conscious choice. I think so. It seems like it. Although I'm not exactly sure what. I mean, we can make guesses. Okay. Or okay, what about people who title their poems untitled? What the fuck is up with that? Yeah. Well, okay. So I've got. I. I don't know. What do you think is up with that? I think it's lazy. I mean, untitled. Here's the thing about it. if your poem is titled untitled, it has a fucking poem. It has. It has. A, it has title? A t- sorry, yeah. it has a title. <laughs> If your poem is titled Untitled, the title of your poem is Untitled. Yeah, I mean, I think... 
again, sometimes that's an aesthetic choice, right? Like, sometimes I think it's, like, a postmodern thing or something, right? This idea of... Yeah. I mean, there is a bit of humor in that, titling something untitled. But I also think it's... Which is something I think when you get into like strategies of titling, I also think it's a reference to visual art, right? Because that's already a convention, been a convention in paintings for so long, where you have painters. Uh, it has been, you're right. You know, although I don't know why. Although when painters do it, they usually at least put a number like untitled number thirty-two or whatever. Which actually, I think maybe that even goes back further to to classical music, right? You get this kind of idea of. Of that, I think maybe sometimes that's an imitation of that, but sometimes I think it just becomes a convention in and of itself, right? It must be that. Untitled. There's a lot of that. I just remember, I just kind of remembered, like, there is a lot of that in, like, art museums and stuff. Yeah, well, and, and, and I actually kind of like that as a convention of, of naming poems as, like, an imitating, imitating visual art can be funny, right? And I was thinking of, like, I right, think of like one of John Ashbery's most famous long poems, "Self-Portrait in a Convex Mirror." Yeah, he yeah. just took the title of the painting. Admittedly, the poem's about the painting, right? But you've got that going on, or you've got like, oh, what was another one I thought of? Uh, oh, like Rilke had all those things, like my my portrait of my father as a young man, but. But there is that whole convention of, like, titling things, imitating visual art titles, which is kind of interesting. Uh, that's something people do, certainly, right? That, that is defi- a definite, like, are you talking like the, no, you're not talking in the ekphrastic Well, sense. no, the poem might not have anything to do with it, right? But it's just like, okay, I need a title for this poem. And, and, I, and I also think there's a parallel there, right? Like... I, I mean, I know you probably have, and I have myself, like, helped artists hang shows, and they haven't titled any of this work, but it's like, oh, now huh. the show's there, and the art gallery wants them you, to have titles for all of these fucking things, right? So You, you knew who I did that for? <laughs> Do you remember, like, Greg had, Greg had, like, 30 pieces, and I titled all of them? He hadn't titled a single one of them? Yeah, and I titled them yeah. all, like, Astronaut Academy, and, like, <laughs> Big Box with Wheels Dancing Down the Street, and, like, all this <laughs> His titles were just, like, crazy. Yeah. And, I mean, so... I mean, and that goes back to that idea of, to some extent, it's just, like, a practicality. Because it's, like, if you're going to look at a catalog of art, or if you're going to look at some sort of criticism of poetry, it's a lot easier to talk about a poem or to talk about a piece of art if you have an original title to refer to it as, rather than a bunch of untitled or a bunch of numbers, right? And then what about when it happens where it's like untitled number 34? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah. But maybe that's a step up from untitled, but you still have a similar problem, right? But then you can also do things like have the form that you wrote it in in the title, which may be a little bit like Sestina number 34 or whatever, or people do that as well. What about people who title their poems like the first line in the poem? Yeah, well, I mean, I think sometimes people do that, although to me, if you're going to do that, you should just omit the first line, right, and just have that sit as the title if you're going to do that. I've noticed, like, quite a few books these days with poetry 
as well that like they like where they don't you know they they just have like a series of work that's like all actually untitled like it not titled untitled there's just no title that does happen but then that makes me think like it's all just a series under the larger title of part the of the series yeah but I think a lot of times I mean yes you sometimes have people intentionally title something with the first slide of the poem but I think a lot of times too that's when you have a manuscript of someone who didn't put titles on any of their poems didn't even put untitled they just they're just blank so then they just put in brackets the first line on top of what if it's what if it's in brackets and untitled in brackets? That's like so pretentious. <laughs> uh, some meta shit, man. Some meta shit. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I like mining. I like mining the poem for the title. Sometimes, you know how like when you write and there's the free writing thing where you you kind of like you write a few lines and and then you then you get into the poem and then you go back to the beginning. You just delete all that stuff at the beginning. Where it's kind of like you know, where you, you keep part of the title, you keep part of it, but or yeah. like yeah, you keep part of it as a title, or like, or like um, you take a piece of the poem out, and then you use that as the title. I I think that's you know that's more times than not for me. All right, so I like tried to create a list of things I think that are like strategies for for titles, titling for poems, like titling. Yeah, and I probably didn't get everything, but these were some things I thought of like. Okay, yeah, like one that you're saying, you could do it out of a part that you leave out of the poem, but picking a, a word or phrase out of the poem, right? That's something you can do. I certainly do that sometimes. Um, using the title to give context, whether it's setting or situation or something to the poem, right? And that can be a really useful thing, right? Like if, if you've got a poem where it's like, well, I don't really want to describe where this poem is taking place, but it's kind of important, and you can just have that built into the title, right? I think of the first thing that comes to mind with that is Pounds um, at a station in the metro, which is just simply, you know, at a station in the metro, an apparition of faces in the crowd pedals on a wet black bow, where, like... Yeah, that the poem title make sense is so incredibly important. Yes. Yeah, it wouldn't make any sense. Wouldn't make any the title. sense without the title. So yeah. the title is like a directive place maker. Yeah, it tells you where you are. And it could be that in 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 a topic sense, if it's not in a setting sense too, right? Like you get a lot of those kind of like on dolphins or whatever, and then you dolphins. never say the word dolphin in the poem. And you, it might be kind of difficult to realize you were talking about dolphins <laughs> if it wasn't the title, right? Or something, right? You know? Yeah, of course. So it's like, like giving it- con- important context that you need for the poem. So that's another strategy, I think, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, letting the first line be the title. I have that in there. You talked about that. But then you can't repeat the first line again. It's the first line of the poem. Sometimes right? people like, do repeat it, though, which I, I don't know. know. Right? I don't. I don't agree with that. I think you shouldn't repeat it. But okay, a seemingly unrelated title, but somehow resonates with what's going on in the poem, which is, I think, maybe my preferred technique for titles. Something that seems like it doesn't have any uh, connection, but then you start. But then, and it maybe makes you think about it. Yeah, I was thinking that a minute ago because I was thinking a lot about I was going to interject the idea of found titles. 
Yeah. Meaning, well, and found titles can relate to that. Yeah, for sure. That's a way of getting one of those titles is through a found title, for sure. Yeah, sometimes I hear something, you know, or I'm, like, watching something, or I pick something up sort of, like, in my day, and I think, like, oh, that would be a really good title for a poem, you know, and then I, like, write the title down, and then I never write the poem. So my pr- my <laughs> my prime example of the unrelated title that I always think of, because it's a good poem, but I'm not going to try to read the Spanish. We'll just read translation. Or do you want to read it? What is it? Cesar Vallejo's Blackstone on a White Stone. Sure. Which the title is just unrelated to the poem, but perfectly suited to it at the same time. Blackstone on a White Stone by Cesar Vallejo. Translated by Rebecca Seifel. I will die in Paris with a rainstorm on a day I already remember. I will die in Paris... And I don't shy away, perhaps on a Thursday, as today is in autumn. It will be Thursday, because today, Thursday, as I prose these lines, I've put on my humor eye in a bad mood. And today, like never before, I've turned back with all of my road to see myself alone. Caesar Vallejo has died. They kept hitting him, everyone. Even though he does nothing to them, they gave it to him hard with a club and hard also with a rope. Witnesses are the Thursday days and the humorous bones, the solitude, the rain, the roads. (laughs) (laughs) I find that to be... That's uh, pretty dark. Hilarious poem. No, but, well, it kind I of know, is. No, it's funny. It's it funny. It starts out kind of dark, but then he gets <laughs> when, when he gets so melodramatic. It's hilarious, right? Cesar Vallejo de, has died. They kept hitting him, everyone, even though he does nothing to them. Like he's. I mean, that's funny. <laughs> like that's supposed to be funny, and then. <laughs> They gave it to him hard with a club and hard also with a rope. Like, there's a lot of comedic lines in that. But as far as the title, I think it's a it's like such a weirdly effective title. Like, you black stone on a white stone that doesn't directly relate to what's going on in the poem. But then you start thinking about it, and it's it's yeah, it's a darkly comic poem, right? This idea of like imagining your own death but in a sort of comic way at the same time. But you're still imagining your own death, right? And uh, <laughs> you're a murder. And then, but then there's something like the way Blackstone on a White Stone plays off of that makes sense, right? There's something interest- interestingly resonant with that image to funerals, right? It makes me think of like, you know that tradition of like where everyone puts a stone in the soup. <laughs> no, on the grave, right? <laughs> on the grave. Yeah, you know, on that the top. Tradition. Like, yeah, I remember that in the Amherst Cemetery, a lot of people would put stones on Dickinson's. I uh, put a pocket knife on her. On you her. put a pocket knife. Yeah, on her. but yeah, no, but yeah. There's that tradition of like, but part of that sometimes that's part of the burial ceremony too. Is like after it's after it's buried on the dirt. Everyone puts a stone, right? So there's there's like that resonance, but then also just the like black white 
the like dichotomy that you get that life death dichotomy from that yeah. too. It's just a really nice title. It's like it doesn't seem to directly relate, but then all the different ways that it resonates off what's going on in the poem are really wonderful. I mean, what do you think about people who like? I mean, we have like you know, sonnet about milk. Can it just be like about milk? Well, I mean, that's Tomas Solomon poem, and I and I, and and again, I think that's a slightly comedic way of titling the poem. It is right. It's like sonnet about milk because it's not something you think of a sonnet to be about, right? Or like a poem. And then, for- as I recall the poem, I don't think I have that one with me. But as I recall that poem. It's not even really about milk. It just has a bunch of white images in it, which is kind of cool, right? Because then you're like, it also reads how you read those white imagery because you're thinking milk already from the title. Or like some title of a poem that has the word poem in it, like a poem for vipers. Okay, so that's that's a good, that's going to be one of my other things I didn't get to yet on my list of strategies, right? Is one is like naming your... It could just be poem, or sometimes you might have, like, sonnet about, or, or like you said, or, or whatever your form is about. Or little poem with which argyle could, which socks. Could, which is a lot of different ways of doing that. Sometimes that can be, like, played up for comedic effect, like I think sonnet about milk is. Actually, all of those you read are ones playing it for comedic effect. Well, yeah, it's I think, the like... John Wiener's poem. When I hear the title... Oh, sorry... Go ahead. Yeah, so the sonnet about vipers, the John Wiener's poem, it's not about literal vipers. He starts talking about all these people that he thinks are shitty. <laughs> right? Is like what that poem is. <laughs> so again, he's like playing that for comedic effect because you're thinking like, oh, this is about snakes or something. But it's just about people he doesn't like. Or like, or like I like the cleverness <laughs> of like little poem with Argyle socks because... It makes me think of like, is it about like a little person? Is it about like a, like a young person? Yeah, I think that's a great one. So that's Jim Tate and he's great with his comedic titles, I think. And great with like playing on those traditions of titles. Where'd that book go? Oh, here it is. Maybe we should read a little poem about Argyle Socks. Is that what with, it's called? With no, Argyle see, Socks. that's why I like that title. Because it's, it's the title, you know, Little Poem with Argyle Socks. It's not Little Poem about Argyle Socks. It's like it's like little poem, like little little guy. Hey, little guy with argyle socks. Yeah, where is that one? I think it's I think it's kind of good. Little poem with argyle socks. Behind every great man there sits a rat, and behind every great rat there's a flea. Beside the flea there's an encyclopedia. Every now and then the flea sneezes, looks up, and flies into action, reorganizing history. The rat says, "God, I hate irony." To which the great man replies, Now, 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 darling, drink your tea. <laughs> like it's an allegory? Is it an allegory? <laughs> I mean, I don't know, is it? <laughs> it's almost allegorical. <laughs> There's no argyle socks in the poem. None at all. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I mean, maybe I love Jim the, was reading Argyle Socks when he wrote it. I love the part when the the next to the fleas an encyclopedia. For some reason, that to me is very. Maybe Jim was wearing Argyle Socks when he wrote the poem. <laughs> so, uh, but I don't know. But like, it's better than titling a poem, right? I think you way know? better. 
So yeah, so that reminds me, since we're on gym, another thing that I find a lot of people doing is making self-deprecating references to themselves in the title. Because I think one of the ones on that list, and I'm going to have you read it, that's also in the same book by Jim, is Jim left the pet cemetery with a feeling of disgust. <laughs> but, I, but there's a lot of people do that. Dean does that a lot. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think I, I see a lot of poets do that a lot, like talk about... They put themselves in the title of the poem, which is a funny thing to do. But do you want to read uh, Jim Left the Pet Cemetery with a Feeling of Disgust? Sure. <laughs> this is from which, uh, which book by Jim? This is from, which is one of my favorites. This is from Worshipable Company of Fletchers. Oh, this is a long one. All right, you get to, you get to practice your reading here. Oh, great. <laughs> Jim Left the Pet Cemetery with a Feeling of Disgust. We hoped to avoid everlasting mistakes. We had a custom-made coffin for the boa. It was 50 times longer than a pencil box. As for the parakeet, she fit inside a snowball. Music played. Jim's total health book was read. Mind your eggs was all it said. Jim walked around the snowfield and photographed eggs. We installed the bird feeder over the gravestone. The deceased seemed pleased. A woman no one knew tried to buy socks from everybody. She said, this is a town made out of nothing. And no one disagreed. Dagwood drew faces on the eggs. It's just that we aren't on the map yet, I replied. Old, long, plain road. Who wants to admit to that? And one who chiseled the stone took pride in his work. The trees, after 60 long winters, had never looked better. Despite the departure of our dear friends, the weather was on the mend. Prospects improved with the passing of each hour. It's strange how we survive, the few of us who do from time to time. The others thought so too. They relied on us to complete a mission, which was futile. But down to the basics. A new frying pan... A red broom. Why do they always insist on the garish in the time of, gr of gloom? Jim walked down to the river and looked like a reed. I mean, he looked at a reed and sighed in a melodic way. There was a trading post on the other shore, and there was no practical way to get there. A boy named Ashley walked out of the clouds. He was named after a town in central Pennsylvania. I didn't mean to, he said, and Jim sat down and cried. Some time passed in a large, irregular way. Dagwood had his name changed to Bill, and this was a good thing for everyone. Everyone took turns patting him on the head, which eventually weakened him and lowered him into the sand. It was a yeoman on a passing tugboat who finally sang, so long, Bill. It's been good to know you. The little bit of good timing provided the rest with the motivation to revamp the tattered ends of their ceremonies. Less pomp and no circumstance would haunt, henceforth, their seemingly interminable days. Hmm. So it's interesting, too, right? Because... That's another thing, which is more of a general idea, but like, 
titles can act as a fake-out, right? Like, that's a fake-out title. It's a fake-out title. Right? Like, you're, you're expecting one thing, and then you're like, oh, this got sad. <laughs> like, that sounds like it's going to be a funny poem, and then it's not. Although there were socks in that poem. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to read this one, but here's another funny title by, uh, by James Tate. A Glowworm, A Lemur, and Some Women. Yeah, he's got good titles all the time. He's one of the he's one of those who's very good with the titles. But yeah, you get those fake out titles, and the fake out can occur the other way too. You can have a title that seems really serious, and then it's a funny poem, right? That's enough. That's a that's like a more general thing. You can have a title that works with the poem, or you can have a title that you're putting there specifically to have it work against the poem. And let that tension do something, right? Yep, there's definitely that effect. Because you're expecting and then you can be either... Yeah, working against the expectations. Or you can work with it or you can work against it. And both can be interesting things to do. And then, especially if you're like looking at a collection of poems, it's kind of interesting if you're doing both. Sometimes you're working against, sometimes you're working with, and then the reader doesn't necessarily know what to expect, right? It really depends on how the yeah the writer decides to curate their galleries, you know their 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 chapters or their their book particular book. All right, other other strategies. I'm still only like halfway through my list. Okay. Really long poem titles, which can be played for funny effect too. Uh, we had some of those on that list. We did indeed. Or sometimes they're not for funny effect, but they. I mean, it's still just like that's something you can do, like really long poem titles. It also gives that, like, antiquated feel, right? Like, when you look at books from the 1800s, for some reason, they're always, like, these absurdly long titles. There are some long titles. I don't know what that was about. Yeah, but there's always a lot of those things, like, on the journey from the Mississippi River to the, to California with the, you know, and there'll be these long, like, modifiers of the whole goddamn thing for some reason. Like a little synopsis. I don't know why. Yeah, they're like probably some like <laughs> Probably some, like, newspaper thing that was like, you gotta really tell them what your poems are about, you know? You gotta really give them a little glimpse of what's going on in your poem, like, before they read it, because people don't have time, and when they're reading the newspaper, they're gonna read the title of the article, and then they're gonna read the title of your poem. And they're going to see your poem. You know, I mean, it's probably something about newspaper poems. But now you can, like, play that up for effect. And it also has that kind of antiquated feel sometimes, maybe, and you, is, which you can play up for humor or just have it be ser- straight and still, like, do this ridiculous. Yeah. I, I mean, do you think a, a title of a poem, is, is, is it supposed to be, like, what the, to- what the poem is about? Or is Not it just supposed to be the title? No, it's just the title. Not yeah. necessarily, but it could be what the poem's about, I suppose. But yes, okay, so that's another strategy. Dedicate a poem to someone or to something, right? So you could say for, you know, you see that, right? Like, for my friend John, right? Yeah, sometimes you see, like, a dedication or, like, a quote. Yeah, but I don't mean, like, under the title. Sometimes that is the title, right? Or sometimes it'll be for someone famous, and then that colors how you read the whole poem, right? Like, it might be for... For Bob Dylan, right? And then that colors how you read the whole poem. Like he gives a shit. Or it could be for an inanimate object. It could be like, for the Mississippi River. 
and then you have a, yeah like people do that right that's another strategy like dedicating the title of your poem to something yeah. or some person uh oh like we talked about that one generic title with poem or the format of the poem then you could just do that like poem or sonnet or sestina or whatever or rondell but you could do like rondell for ronnie white i don't know i don't know why that's but you know you could modify it too all right and then uh i think the last one i have on the list you could steal a title from another poet's poem or from a song, or from or a found title, like you're saying, just something randomly. I feel like that something. happens quite a bit. Yeah, but that can be interesting if it's a different kind of poem. Like if you're not just stealing it, like oh, that's a cool title, and I have a poem almost in the same way. But if it's something where you're like recontextualizing that title, that could be interesting. Right? Yeah, of course. I think I did a lot of stolen titles, like when I was an undergrad, but maybe not titles stolen from other titles. Like, I remember I had a, a poem where I stole the title from an Iggy Pop song, but not the title of the song, like a line from the song. What was it? We Like Your Pants. <laughs> you know, hey, baby, we like your vest. Hey, baby. I think that actually might be a, a Stooges song, that Iggy Pop solo, like, hey, baby, we like your old pants. And I was like, that's a cool title for a poem, We Like Your Pants. What was the... I mean, the poem didn't have anything to do with that. It was like a poem about other shit. I think it was one of those... I came up with the title after. I was like, I need a title for this poem. And I think I was listening to that album. And I was like, that'd be a funny title for a poem. We like your pants, right? Um, The chicken slacks. (laughs) I was just thinking of a song by... uh, I'm going to use that as a title now for my poem. The chicken slacks? That could be a good title. D- dancing with the chicken slacks. <laughs> it's a it's a twisting from the twisting the night away. I I was I was telling Spencer. I think earlier, it's better to get rid of the dancing though and just have. No no no! But slacks. I never knew yeah. what that line was in the song until I looked it up. Like he's dancing with the chicken slacks. I was like, what are the chicken slacks? It's the chicken slacks. <laughs> like what's the chicken slacks? It's yeah. Like, so yeah, that could be a cool title, right? But so that's something you can do. Like just take a take something from or the or misheard. You know, like the whole like misheard titles, you know? Yeah, misheard titles. That could be something you could do, right? You know, there's all kinds of great ways of doing found titles for sure. But also like taking a title from something else, like taking... Uh, I mean, I think that's great, like taking a title from a painting or something. Although, I mean, maybe not if you're writing about that painting. I mean, maybe okay, it could be okay. But I think it's even better, you're like, I don't have a title for this poem... I'm just going to look at a bunch, a list of titles of paintings and just take one of them that seems like it might fit nice with this poem I already wrote. I like that. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. That could be cool. I did a whole series of visual poems where I sort of, like, dedicated each one after a different Dadaist, and and I used, like, the title of the font that I used mashed up with the title of, like, their name. Yeah. This seemed appropriate thing for a visual poem. No, there's lots of fun stuff you can do. With Series. That. So, I mean, that's maybe why I'm a little annoyed when people don't title poems, because it's like, man, even if it's not a great title, like, there's lots of, like, easy things you can do to come up with something, really. Yeah, especially if it's just titled, like, poem. Ugh. 
Well, I mean, yeah, and I don't know. Just and like I said, like Franco Harris is one of those ones that it, it baffles me. And then he's even weirder because he titled a lot of his poems, and some of his titles are great. But then he has a bunch of other poems where he just called it poem. Poem. How lazy. And then how postmodern. Well, and the other thing is like, how many poems that are just titled poem or just titled entitled are memorable? Oh yeah, I can't think of like. I I mean I'm trying to think of a poem. Let me try to think of a poem titled Untitled. That's great. I can't. <laughs> well, there. I mean, I think Frank O'Hara is one of the exceptions because you know what? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna find it right now, and you're gonna recognize this poem, but not remember that it's just titled poem. But then it's still like, but it makes it hard to talk about when you've got things like that. One of my, one of his most famous poems, I think. I'm gonna read the first line, and you're gonna know what poem it is. Lana Turner has collapsed. I was trotting along and suddenly it started raining and snowing and you said it was hailing. But hailing hits you on the head hard so it was really snowing and raining and I was in such a hurry to meet you but the traffic was acting exactly like the sky and suddenly I see a headline. Lana Turner has collapsed. There's no snow in Hollywood. There's no rain in California. I've been to lots of parties and acted perfectly disgraceful. But I never actually collapsed. Oh, Lana Turner, we love you. Get up. Yeah, that is that is a pretty good. I, I definitely have heard that many times. That Franco heard. That's a pretty good. famous poem, but it's just he, called poem. He does. He does a. Uh, there's a recording of him reading that one, and there's like it's it's just the way he reads it. Like people are just cackling. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, a funny poem. Yeah. Yeah. But. But I think that's the exception. I can't think of a lot of poems that are just titled poem or titled or untitled. Untitled. But you would God. even remember what they are. For most poets, that's their minor poems. Unless they didn't title anything, I guess. But Untitled number seven. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So titles are kind of I think of it's cool an interesting... Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's something worth talking about. Because, you know, I like... There's serial works, or there's just like greatest hits tapes, and or like a people's collections where they just like, you know, just like put a bunch of poems together that don't are disjointed, and, and I think like yeah, and books I, that are yeah. books that are sort of like have sequences of titles and interesting titling. I think is really, really you know, it kind of draws me in or gets me going or gets me captivated into like the, absolutely the work. it makes you want to read the thing, and then and and then it's nice if you want to talk about it later, which is again the practical aspect, but that's not. A bad aspect, right? I mean, it's nice to be able to say, oh, yeah. Remember that poem? And to be able to say what the title of the poem is rather than be like, oh, uh, it's one of the ones titled poem that's in that book. Makes it a little harder to do. So maybe that's silly, but it's a practical aspect. But I also think it's an opportunity to shape your poem in some way because I do think you can do things in a title that you couldn't do with a line. Definitely. Because there's a convention of titles and there's a convention of naming and there's a convention of the way that works, right? I don't think you could say like, I mean, you know, we think of some of these ones like, I mean, how does it make you read the poem? If If you're taking a poem from a title, like if you think of, you know, we talked about the, 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 the Rilke poem, self portrait of my father as a young man. Yeah. You couldn't put that as the first line of the poem. 
Definitely not. That would be dumb as hell, right? But as a title, it's like, oh, okay, so we're in this convention of a portrait of someone when they're young. And now you don't have to explain this poem is about my father, but it's about my father when he was young, which would be very difficult to do in a line, right? It would be. But a title can do that very concisely and in a way that doesn't feel particularly artificial. And there's, I think, a lot of opportunities. I think settings a lot of times can be like that too, right? Like you can be like, okay, you know, I don't know. I'm, I think maybe, I don't know who I was thinking that of, like Saint, San Remo. And then you're like picturing the town. But you don't have to ever explicitly state in the poem what it is, right? Where, I mean, yeah, you could say that somehow in a line, but it'd be a lot harder to do. You can't just put a word contextless in a line. That seems fucking weird, right? But you can do that in titles, and we have this convention of understanding that is like setting the scene. It's almost like stage directions in a play or something. You can do things in that that you would never be able to do in a play, right? So that's pretty much why when people use the po- like a title like Poem or, you know, Untitled or whatever, it's like you're missing out on a great opportunity to, like, trigger something immediately. Yeah. It's like So, I mean, yeah, and I mean, maybe you're not trying to do that, but even just associationally, it can be a great moment, right? You can You can do things with that where it's like, I don't know, like, I mean, I... I think of poems that I've done, and sometimes it's just like, I don't entirely know what that means, but you come up with this title, and it's like, I think of things from Adam Parler, right? And well, Adam Parler itself, that title is not in the poem. I don't entirely know what it means, but (laughs) I like the association of it. It's not in any of your poems? No. No? It's just, I titled a poem that. It's a title of a poem, but the poem doesn't have anything to do with that in in the poem. It was just like I thought it was an interesting phrase and it seemed appropriate. But then it colors the whole way you read things, right? Or I think of, you know, I can't remember that poem offhand, but I think of like, you know, Agent Yellow. And that's one that I remember, right? Agent Yellow. Langolier flies to the moon. One more lemon drop plops beneath the heels of infant hurricanes. May my heart be powered by electric fan. On the corner, the oscillation of some damn delivery van is the only music I need. I'll grind the world beneath my microscope till I find some plain pretense for the day. As the last dollar wriggles through the hole in my pockets, my sclerosis slips beneath the barroom religion of dice games, that good old funk of busted plaid. It's a harbinger of future's cruelty, the peppered light projected by the zombie sun. So I wrote the poem first, and I was like, I need a title for this bitch. <laughs> and I was like, all right, Agent Yellow. And to me, it's interesting, right? Because you've got that, like, Agent Orange connotation. Yeah. But then you've got a bunch of yellow-colored things in the poem. Right? So to me, it just had some interesting resonances off of the poem. And you didn't you know? have to use the word yellow in the poem. No, and there is no word yellow in the poem. Right. But there's yellow things in the poem. Yeah. Right? So, again, it's a signal. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of opportunities for that. Would that poem be any different if it didn't have that title? I mean, maybe in some subtle ways. Is it, is it going to be majorly different how you read it without the title? Not really. But it doesn't 
detract from it and it might add something to it that it wouldn't otherwise have, right? Where if you just put something like palm on a palm like that, all right, well, there you go. All you've got is what's in the palm, which I do think is what people like about that sometimes is they want the palm to stand for itself. But nothing gets to stand for itself in this world, really, does it? Like, everything is always red based to what you see it sitting next to. Yeah. Whether you want it to be or not. That poem is going to be different depending on what happened to you right before you read it. And that's the nature of everything, right? So, I mean, I think that's maybe a little bit silly. It's, it's kind of like a purist stance, like I want the poem to stand for itself. But to me, it's a little bit silly because the poem can never stand for itself, really. Maybe in performance. But it's still not. It depends on the space you're in. Yeah. What's going on in that place. Like, nothing ever gets to stand purely on its own. Something being on the page is the closest you get to that. I think more so than performance. But still, you have the con uncontrollable context of where your mind is at and where you're reading the thing on the page and everything, right? There's always a context. There is. And it's a shifting context. But that's also beautiful. That's part of what makes them interesting, right? Because it's not the same every time you read it. Hopefully, because it's complex enough that you're going to read it differently regardless, even if you were in the same context. But you're never the same person at any moment in your life, right? True. Which is cool. I was different when this podcast started. <laughs> you were awake when this podcast started. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, I think it's an interesting thing to talk about titles. and I think it it's something for people to reflect on. And I think that it's something that maybe people, you know, might put a little bit more magic into. And if, they, if you really start to think about it and not make it so on the nose and use it to signal and use it to, you know, maybe not, sometimes you need to put more weight on the title. Sometimes you need to put less weight on the title, but I think it is something in general that poets need to spend a little more time thinking about. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. And also don't get up in the mic and or say this a, poem's title. Or a little more time <laughs> not thinking about, but still giving your poem a title, right? I mean, I think the overly curated title can be just as bad as not titling, right? If you have a title that's just like on the nose, this is a poem about 9-11, and the poem is called 9-11. I mean, but people do that shit all the time, poetry readings, right? And that sucks. Yeah. But, so, but, I mean, yeah, there's lots of ways. I mean, you could take this list and sit there and play with a lot of different ways to title a poem. So... All right, yeah, so try to write some titles for your poems or something. I don't know, I think more engaging might titles cool. might be interesting. I'm going to personally work on a book that where the titles are, the, are really, really long and the poems are really short. Yeah? <laughs> like the poems are one word and then you have a <laughs> title that's... Yeah, so like reverse the thing. It's like the title is really long and then the poem is... I mean, that'd be a fun thing to play with, although I think the whole... Like like we're talking about the whole convention of titles sort of prevents that. It like does. you can do long titles to some extent, but at some point you lose the convention of titling if you go too far with it, right? Uh, titling. But yeah, I mean titles are important. Think about think about 
how you can make that do some work for you when you're done writing your poem. And, uh, you know, I don't know. As much as some poems that I... I don't know. As much as some poets that I like have fallen into that trap of not titling poems, I think you probably should always put some title on your poem unless you're doing a series or something. Yeah, some sort of serial piece, some concept thing. I mean, why not? It's not going to hurt. <laughs> All right. right. Um, well, it's another episode of No Good Poetry. Do we have any things we need to plug here? I don't think so. Is there anything coming up? I don't know. Go check out Drag the Dragonfly. Uh, there's some some oh, yeah, events. There will in... be. When did the reading start at Dragonfly? I think they're starting up at the end of this month, September. I think there might be some things going on next month. Uh, the Dragonfly New Orleans uh, Center for Poetry and Ritual Space. And then this is a little far in the future, and I'm blanking on the date right now, but. My wife, Rana, and I are starting a new reading series. Wait, what? At what? NOCA. Really? Um, and it's going to be once a month on Monday nights. But the kind of idea of it is to be something that's friendly for younger writers. Cool. But also for, but it's open for anyone, right? We want to have the regular Poetry New Orleans community in there to be able to interact with some of our younger writers who can't always go to some of the reading series because of where the venues are in town. Yeah, uh, that's smart. So that's going to kind of be the plan. We don't have a name for it yet, but we'll be trying to get that information out soon. But it's going to be starting in early November. Oh, cool. Very cool. Well. All right. Well, we'll see you all again next week. All right. Cruise.